So the point is, in connection with what we're talking about, you got to be prepared because you don't know when things are going to change. You go in the mountains, it's always unpredictable exactly what's going to happen. Excellent. You know, mountain weather is, is famous for being changeable. Changing all the time. You know, so <clears throat> just like now, you know, in Kali Yuga, you know, things are changing all the time. I mean, one year ago, you know, the world, as far as health standards went, was pretty stable and et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, COVID appeared out of seemingly nowhere. <laughs> That's debatable. Mm. But, uh, and, you know, it, sh it changed the face of the whole planet, you know, like overnight. Yeah. And, and so if you don't know, you know, if you're, let's say it this way, if you're not prepared, then what are you going to do? You're going to just suffer yeah. because of it. Yeah. And everybody thinks they got it wired and, you know, I know what's going to happen, but we don't. Well, so exactly. let's continue the same theme and, and about death, you know. I mean, everybody thinks they're going to live forever, you know. Hmm. But, you know, any moment people can die. And are you prepared for that? What have you done to prepare for that? And usually zero. Hey there, this is Ruben and you've come to the Breaking Trail podcast, which is a podcast where you learn to navigate life's journey through ancient wisdom through the talks between me and my dear friend and teacher, Valkia. In today's talk, you'll learn how to survive and thrive in a time of chaos, quarrel and confusion, Kali Yuga. Well, basically, we learned last week about winter. That's, I remember what you said, that, uh, you know, Kali Yuga and all these four cycles, uh, Kali Yuga's age we're in, and we need to know how to prepare for winter, you know, just like I guess from our mountain hikes, you know, we have our packing list, you know, my, my wife, Lynn, she's very good at packing lists. She's very like making very <laughs> in, in this tiny little detail, all the things that she's going to bring, how many pair of socks and the small, like every little toiletry, uh, you know, and, and, she, uh, and, and the list is always because we forgot some things last time, which is a very important thing. And that was butter because we, we only had ghee, which is like butter oil, but we didn't have butter. So she, she wrote down in, in capital letters with an exclamation mark, butter. <laughs> don't I got don't a question. Forget. Why don't you guys just buy those already, you know, dried meals and just make it simple? You know, <laughs> just open it's... the pack, pour in hot water and you got it. But you yeah. only go for like two days. I mean, it's not like... Yeah, but it's more fun to be out there and cook food. It's, it's like part of the experience. For you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm simple, man. I, that, that, to me, that, the simplest is the most fun. You just prefer like the simple, just to have the habit. Absolutely. Then you don't I think forget my... butter, you don't forget anything. No. You just, <laughs> if you got that in hot water, you, you're, you're finished. Well, I remember actually in the military service in Sweden, we we had we had those all the time. But we did bring butter all the time. We we took the bags, we put it in, and then we took like big chunks of butter and <laughs> added to the meal. <laughs> bring bring those ready-made meals plus butter. Plus butter. <laughs> Very simple yeah. stuff, you know. And you don't have dishes. You don't have dishes to wash. You don't have all that drama, you know. 
I, I think my problem is that I'm too attached to the sense gratification. I like the taste of food. So. <laughs> well, it's not like those things taste like cardboard. Well, <laughs> yeah. They're not that bad. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure they're better now because I haven't used them in quite a while. When we used to do bike packing, I used to. Yeah. Well, the offer isn't that great. There's like, because there, actually there's a business that's based in Tromsø, I think, that are the Nor Nor Norway's biggest, uh, if only, maybe. A dry food supplier. Can you turn him down a little? I'm turning him down and on my computer, um... but <laughs> you're not on my computer. It's not like Skype. I, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's better. Oh, yeah, see now. So, and and a, a friend of mine is actually working on the one of the one of the Norway's biggest, uh, if if only, uh, freeze dried uh, company. They're making freeze dried food ready-made and they have i think two vegetarian meals only two is uh i think they only have two that's wow. uh that's the thing anyway she's she's working there as a like environmental coordinator she's trying to 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 improve their environmental work so she she's into those things with the vegetarian meals and stuff so anyway yeah that's just my it's my take on it <laughs> I noticed that video when you sent me of you guys unpacking all this stuff. You had many bags of different little food and this and that, and how much yeah, yeah, yeah. effort it took to think about it and put it all in there. I was thinking, man, just buy a couple of those things and that's done. Oatmeal in the morning, you just put it in a <laughs> Ziploc bag, pour hot water on with a little stevia or whatever you use for sweetener, and you, you're done. Yeah. A few raisins yeah. throw in. But anyway, it's your story, not mine. Well, Everybody's that's got their also, own story. Exactly. And then that's another opportunity, like possibility as well. You can actually pre-make the food at home and you can dry it. So you can actually make that yourself, those ready-made packages, but yourself. So, yeah. You can, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you could. <laughs> I, I realize yeah. that. So anyway, let's go to another subject. So, 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 it's irrelevant, yeah. you know. So, so the continuation of that subject would be, I mean, I guess where we started was, you know, that's our preparation for, uh, for Kali Yuga. I for don't know winter. if you saw the article, but it was in the news yesterday that there was an ultra marathon in China, 171 participants did you see that no no anyway and they started out and it was warm and sunny and everything it was in the mountains and halfway about one o'clock in the afternoon this big storm system extreme weather came in with hail and and freezing rain and high winds wow and wow. you know most of them were just all they had was just shorts and t-shirts on they didn't have any backup anything and 21 of them died. What? What? 21 died, yeah. And eight were in the hospital. And a lot of them retreated back down the mountain when they saw it happening and get, found some little cabin and got in there. But yeah, 21 of them died. Wow. They had no, like, backup crew that... They had nothing. Maybe they had water and some bars or something, but they had no clothes. They had... It didn't sound like they had anything. Wow. So the point is, in connection with what we're talking about, you got to be prepared because you don't know when things are going to change. 
You go wow. in the mountains, it's always unpredictable exactly what's going to happen. Excellent. You know, mountain weather is, is famous for being changeable. Changing all the time. You know, so <clears throat> just like now, you know, in Kali Yuga, you know, things are changing all the time. I mean, one year ago, you know, the world, as far as health standards went, was pretty stable and et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, COVID appeared out of seemingly nowhere. That's debatable, mm -hmm. but, uh, and you know, it, sh it changed the face of the whole planet, you know, like overnight. Yeah. And, and so if you don't know, you know, if you're, let's say it this way, if you're not prepared, then what are you going to do? You're going to just suffer yeah. because of it. Yeah. And everybody thinks they got it wired and, you know, I know what's going to happen, but we don't. Well, so exactly. let's continue like... the same theme and, and about death, you know. I mean, everybody thinks they're going to live forever, you know. Hmm. But, you know, any moment people can die. And are you prepared for that? What have you done to prepare for that? And usually zero. People prepare for, you know, maybe the extended period of this life or retirement plans or, you know, vacation homes or whatever, whatever, but investments maybe, but whatever, but who's preparing for actually death? And almost nobody. No. And that's the whole point of the Vedas is actually, you know, that's an inevitable event. That's not, you know, is it going to happen or not? That's definitely going to happen, you know, and nobody knows when. They say in the Bible, nobody knows they nor the hour. So, you know, if you prepare every day as if it's your last day or you're preparing for the last day, you don't have to live in doom like this is my last day on the planet. But, <laughs> but as, as if, you know, this is a day I can be more prepared for that inevitable day, then when it comes, you're, you're ready. You've thought about it, you've detail, you've done, taken the necessary steps. And you're prepared according to authority, not according to speculation and whims and rumors and, you know, misguided teachers, as we just read about Kali Yuga, yeah. you know, last week. And, and so, you know, when it comes, it's another event. It's just another day in a life. So, is that, is that, is that kind of like to you, it's that uh, carpe diem, like catch the day? Is that? sudden expression that you use or that you would use is that an expression that you would that you would use like catching 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 the day carpe diem carpe diem you know oh <laughs> i'm sure no they say that you know do the best of like the day that's here like catch catch the day you know use whatever you can like right now people say that I agree 100%. And, and some people are trying to do that in business or in enjoying, you know, how all these athletes, you know, they are saying, live for today, you know, you, you yeah. make the most of today. Be here now yeah. kind of philosophy too, you know. Yeah, Days, yeah. you know, live today like this is the first day for the rest of your life or whatever and, and make the most of it. Yeah. But it's all a material philosophy. It's all a material you know, perspective and, and direction. So when that last day comes, that doesn't help you at all. It actually, it's in the way. 
because you use that time and energy that you could have been truly preparing, you know, for the wrong preparation. Mm -hmm. I remember when we first started chanting with our spiritual master, Ananda, we were living together in a little ashram. And we used to have big public events. And, you know, people would come. And at that day, that was in 1971, 72. And, you know, many of the people were, let's say, alternative people. <laughs> the hippies <laughs> and so on. And they'd come and, you know, have a, we'd have a great time, you know, big chanting and, you know, big feast and of all natural vegetarian food. You know, I'd say 95% of it local from the trees and from the garden and whatever. I mean, wow. really nice stuff. But anyway, we'd always put on a little theater, a little skit, you know, for the guest with a meaning, a skit with a meaning. And so one week we did this, this skit, this theater, and the setting was there was an ant. I mean, excuse me, there was a grasshopper and some ants. And the grasshopper was just, you know, living the good life, you know, just hopping around and, you know, eating a little bit here and there from the grass and, you know, just enjoying day by day. And he always observed the ants were just busy, 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 working, 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 you know, getting food, going into their little ant hill and storing it and, you know, preparing, preparing. And, and he was always making fun of them. You know, what are you guys doing? You know, you're just spending your whole life working. And, you know, why don't you just enjoy life like me? You know, and this was in summertime. And then <laughs> winter comes, you know, and the grasshopper is not prepared at all. He's got no food storage. You know, it's cold. He's got no shelter. He's got nothing. And he's there just suffering, suffering, suffering. And he goes to the ants and he asks them for help. <laughs> Can, can you share some of your food with me? Can you, can you help me somehow in my situation? You know, and, and it was the idea was you got to prepare now. You know, when the times are good, when you're young, you're healthy, you know, you've got, you've got the energy and, and, you know, the time, the ability to prepare now. Because when the winter comes, you know, you're going to get caught out. And then what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. So... You know, I remember that. That was like how many years ago? Fifty years ago, and I remember that that <laughs> skit right now. Strong <laughs> message. Did Did you play the role of an ant, or were you? I think I was the grasshopper. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was the grasshopper. <laughs> but uh, but you know, it's it's really you know something that that's serious, you know, in life. We take life too lightly. What we see as serious isn't, you know, oh, how much money am I going to make? Or, or where am I going to go on vacation? Or this COVID restrictions is interfering with my, you know, travel plans and enjoyments. And you know what I mean? And that's all, <laughs> yeah, you know, too. our focus on our material pleasures and funds and security, which, you know, basically mm -hmm. is just in jeopardy all the time anyway. It's changing all the time. And you try to like, you, you try to find a stable point. I think we talked about this before and it's, it keeps changing. Like you never, you never catch that stability or 
you know, like you know. trying to find stability on a floating iceberg and it's melting. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, you're a climate change guy. Change. You can relate to that. Yeah, exactly. You know? And the more it melts and the smaller it gets, the more unstable it gets. And mm. et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, this is this is why we're always telling people do something today that's you know making your future secure. But but the, I mean the people all the time would would think I, I and I think the big obstacle here is we don't know if there is a future you know we we don't know maybe this life is it and maybe there is no winter you know maybe the summer is it and then it's then you know ends cut. <laughs> you know this comes from what is let's let's just read from that that passage from the Srimad Bhagavatam we read last year. In the Kali Yuga, the whole atmosphere is sur surcharged with faithlessness. That's it, faithlessness. Because that means people are no longer interested in spiritual values. Material sense gratification is now the standard of civilization. Yeah, so scriptures are filled with truth, but we have no faith in that, you know. So therefore, we just are out here on a limb. You know, and saying, okay, a comforting philosophy is there is no future. There is no life after death. Why worry about sin? Who, uh, what do you mean sin and suffering in the future life or, you know, so on? When there's no, if, if we can believe in a philosophy that this is it, you know, and this is all there is, yeah. and when it's over, it's over, there's no, no need to prepare for anything. No. Prayer, prayer, prayer for what? <laughs> and that's right. a very, you know, comforting philosophy. And that's why, you know, the faithless, you know, people under the influence of Kali Yuga are not interested in truth. They deny the truth. They reject the truth, you know, because it's disturbing, you know. Well, they, they call it, it's an inconvenient truth. <laughs> inconvenient for me, so therefore... I just don't accept it. But the truth is still the truth. And so your philosophy that there is nothing after this will be destroyed when you find out at the time of leaving your body, you still exist and you don't die. And, you know, you're now mm -hmm. confronted with all the, you know, things that you did you shouldn't be doing and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that comes like with the, you know, I mean, you, as you mentioned, I mean, in the environmental debate, there's always this this idea that, well, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen, so why not like be on the safety margin and prepare a little bit because it doesn't hurt. But I think many people, when they even think about spiritual life, they only think, you know, no pleasure, just hurt. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Only austerities and only no no pleasure there. But but if we could, you know, think that there might be something there and. I might not fully accept it, but there might be a, a life, like I might continue to exist. And so why not prepare a little bit then, you know, it doesn't, doesn't do any harm. Better, be, better to do that and sort of in vain, if any, everything stops, then, then, you know, then to not prepare at all. I mean, at least that's a material example from the environmental debate, like it's always good to. And, and why throw away the teachings of all these great sages and saints and the, and the, scriptures that have been followed for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, they say the only happiness is in spiritual life. You know, 
Why not find out? Why not actually do, live a spiritual life, follow some principles and rules, and you know, and, and find out for yourself rather than just blindly rejecting? We're not well, saying blindly accept, but why blindly reject? And that's the, the, the philosophy today. Yeah. yeah. Whereas we know material life is not bringing pleasure. I mean, come on. Who is really happy and really satisfied? I mean, most people aren't even in, haven't lived a semblance of happiness and satisfaction. And not, not even a, an illusory semblance. You know, they're suffering day by day in their relationships, in their physical conditions, in their financial conditions, in their disappointments, in their failures, you know, in their anxieties and their depressions. Like, where's the pleasure there? You know, I mean, how much pleasure is there there? I mean, that's a given. I mean, that's like in your face. So if somebody's telling you, but there is pleasure to be found in a spiritual lifestyle, you know, why not at least be uh, willing to try it, you see? Receptive yeah. enough to say, well, what I'm doing now is not working. Yeah. Why not just give that a go and see what comes out of that? We always say that, like, I want to see that one with my own eyes when someone says something, you know, and we don't believe it. Like, I'd like to see that with my own eyes. So we want to. Yeah, wanna... but how about experiencing with your own life? Exactly. You know? And if they would look at people who are actually truly involved in, in a real spiritual lifestyle, they would see symptoms of satisfaction and less agitation, and freedom from depression, and, you know, all the pains and sufferings that the common person takes as normal. Mm -hmm. So, there is proof before your own eyes, if you just accept it, just look at it and see. I mean, statistically, you know, I think we talked about this once before. We, I'm sure we did, but during this 2020 COVID, you know, story, which is now continuing in 2021, mm. that the only group of people that did not show increased mental instability and depressions and attempted suicides and actual suicides, etc., the only group of people who did not show that on the increase, but actually their mental health improved, for those who regularly attended church and other spiritual activities and functions. Well, what, no. what does that prove? That proves it had a positive effect on overcoming this adversity that the world was, dealt, was having to deal with. Yeah. I mean, that's proof. How much more proof can you say than that? You know? yeah. So you could say, well, it's just because they had this imaginary belief. Okay, but is you know, some people say you should imagine good things. You know, that's mm -hmm. one of the philosophies for having a brighter outlook in life. Just imagine good things, imagine happiness, imagine. So, you know, there's there's so-called teachers of, of of happiness that say this is one of the methods. So if the people are imagining a better life through their imagination of spiritual truth and, and service to God and chanting and following teachings and so on, then what's wrong with that? 
is that something wrong with that? I mean, rather than imagining a, a fun time in the bar. I, I mean, because if it produces a real result, then that's the what matters, right? Like in science, you know, that's... <laughs> but the the result, I mean, is, is real. I mean, it's not an imagination. Mm. You know, no. if you say it's it's because of their imagination, well, like, you still have no argument against it, you know? <laughs> no. So, you know, the no. whole thing is, is, is just ludicrous. But, you know, as I said, so, faithfulness and, and material sense gratification is the standard of civilization. So... What is the core in, and I guess that's the point that we wanted to like get closer to, what, what is the core in, you, you spoke about the statistic with the Christian groups not being as affected, uh, what is the core in their practice of, of dealing with uh, the adversities, the difficult uh, aspects of Kali Yuga, and, and how is it different from the other time periods or, 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 or Yugas? Well... In the Vedas, and of course we always are using this as our standard, in the Vedas it teaches about the four yugas, right? We talked about it last week. Satya Yuga, Treta Yuga, Upara Yuga, and Kali Yuga. And there's a natural degression in society in those four different yugas. The Golden Age, Satya Yuga, Silver Age, Treta Yuga, you know, Copper Age, Upara Yuga, Iron Age, Kali Yuga. So everything is going down. The length of, of a person's life decreases. You know, more vice and irreligion enters into society as the Yugas, de, you know, continue on down and so on. So it means that the consciousness of people is different in each Yuga which also means that their ability for spiritual practice is decreasing. Their, their aptitude, their ability, you know, is not as great. So therefore, different methods for spiritual realization are for each yuga. It's not the same method for every yuga. It's all based on what a person's capable of, of doing. See? So therefore, in the Satya Yuga, remember, people are very spiritually advanced. You know, they are very, very, you know, able to execute a very difficult process. So the process for the Satya Yuga is called a Stanga Yoga. It's an eightfold yoga system. And it's a very difficult system. It requires great austerity, great penance, great self-control, sensual control, etc., etc. It takes long, long, long periods of meditation. And the meditation is meditating on the Lord in the heart, the Paramatma feature of the original Supreme Person. And so, as I say, it's very difficult, but it's very suitable for those people. I mean, they are able to do that. 
And so that is the process for spiritual realization in the Satya Yuga. And, and that's different from what we know, just like, because I think some people may have heard of that term Ashtanga Yoga before, but I guess that's very different. That's yes, very different. it's different. It's also called the Eightfold Mystic Yoga System. And uh, I mean, if you really read what's involved, you you just know right away, I couldn't do it. I mean, it's not even <laughs> possible. And it required long periods of time to reach that perfection. Mm. But people lived a long time. Remember, I said the average lifespan was 100,000 years. So there, there's a great, oh, there's a great uh, saintly person known as Valmiki Muni. And he compiled one of the greatest of the Vedic scriptures called the Ramayana. <clears throat> which is a detailed account of Lord Ramachandra. And one of the incarnations of the Lord was on the planet during the Treta Yuga. But anyway, he meditated in this way, in this process, for 60,000 years before he reached perfection. <laughs> 60,000 years. But it sounds absurd, but, you know, say we live 100 years, and like I've been, you know, involved in this meditation for 50 years, you know. So on that time scale, it would be equated, equating to 50,000 years. Yeah. So we can't just, you know, think, oh, it's impossible, you know, relating it all to what we know now. But anyway, this is, this is the point. People had the time, they had the ability, they were very spiritually advanced from the outset. And so, and they were very eager to do it. And it worked. They became spiritually realized as a result. But of course, when Satya Yuga ended and Treta Yuga began, things changed. The consciousness changed. The abilities changed that people had. The, the atmosphere was completely different and so on. And so, therefore, that process was not suitable. But there was another process given by the Supreme Lord. These processes are not thought up by man. They are established processes for the time period. So the, the process was very elaborate sacrifices. And when I say elaborate, I, I mean exactly that. It took, you know, large amounts of paraphernalia to be executed it, it required qualified Brahmins that could chant, you know, specific mantras flawlessly, you know, and on and on it went. But all of that was available. It wasn't like something that couldn't be done. And so that was the process. People did that, and they became purified and became spiritually realized as a result. Okay? Hmm. So then Treta Yuga ends and Drupara Yuga begins. And once again, things are different. Lives are shorter. Qualification of the individual is lessened. And, you know, so therefore that process won't work. So the first two processes are now not suitable. So mm -hmm. there's a process for the Drupara Yuga. And that's very elaborate temple worship. Worship in the deity in the temple. 
And again, according to rule, according to regulation, certain paraphernalia required, mantras to be chanted, you know, and so on. But, hey, it was all available. People's consciousness was suitable for that method. And therefore, people did it, and they became spiritually realized, spiritually purified. So again, it worked. And then Kali Yuga arrives. And things are very degraded. Iron Age, Age of Quarrel, Chaos, Confusion, short-lived lives, spiritually lazy, you know, weak physically, weak psychically, etc., etc. Those other three methods are not suitable at all for the Kali Yuga. See, and so therefore there has to be a method. We don't live very long, okay? So therefore it has to be a method that works very quickly. See? Not 60,000 yeah. years. It has to work very quickly. <laughs> you know? Number two, our memories are very short in the Kali Yuga. We can't remember almost anything. I mean, <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> right? You can't even go to the shop without your list. You, know? you go or, there to, or like, to buy yeah. your food and, and you look in your pocket and you don't find you know, your shopping list, you go, oh my God, where is it? Where is it? And people say, well, I don't use a list. I, I put it in my phone. Okay, so you go to, to the shop and where's your phone? You lost your phone. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? You know, is it in the car? What did I do with it? I mean, how many times it, is that going on? And you, you have it like, it's like your sunglasses and you're looking and looking and you realize you have them on. <laughs> or you forgot to charge it and it, you know, the battery goes dead. <laughs> or whatever, you see? So anyway, the point is we can't remember. So you're trying to remember. You don't have your list. And you, you buy this. Oh, I remember this and this. And you get home, you go, oh, man, I forgot the toilet paper. <laughs> you see? In other words, it's, it's very, very short memories here in Kali Yuga. You know? So we got to have a process that's very easy to remember, you see? And number three, you know, four or whatever it is, we've got to have something that's very, very potent, very strong, because the disease is very great. See, in Satya Yuga, people were almost well to start with. You know, the disease of materialism was almost non-existent. And so, the, you know, the method was, was working at a different level here. But, but uh, how is that like so people's consciousness where i mean it's the same people or or how is it like working in that sense of like their consciousness was well but there were spirit souls that was that were born into that time age and they happened to be more spiritually elevated or how you know what i'm trying to get to it was like like how like, yeah how, how did the consciousness get so high <laughs> yeah i guess that's because the of the in, because of the influence of, of kali of uh Sadhya yuga you know, the okay. mode of goodness and, and, you know, high-level mode of goodness was a dominating influence. You were mm -hmm. born into a uplifting environment. Your mom, your dad, your brother, your I uncles, see. your aunts, you know, the, the leaders, everything was on a high level. So your consciousness was obviously just automatically elevated simply by okay. your, your association and your surroundings, you see? Yeah. Mm. Whereas you're born into Kali Yuga and your consciousness is all automatically degraded. You know, you're a two-year-old kid watching pornography. I mean, come on. 
you know, and don't think it doesn't happen. It happens all the time because mom and dad are watching it and there you go. You know, it's in your house. It's in your face. And yeah. so, you know, I mean, statistics on, on that is, is crazy. You know, by the age of eight or nine, you know, young, these young girls that haven't even reached puberty yet have already been exposed to hardcore core porn and, you know, many times they've become attracted to it and et cetera, et cetera, or like that thing I'm not even going to talk about. We just were looking at the, yeah. uh, and that's three-year-old kids, you know. So where's the consciousness going to go? You know, how dark is it going to get? so quickly and and so that's that's kind of your answer there this is kind of the influence of, of the surroundings and yeah yeah, yeah. so wow. so when the, when the disease is very great we need strong medicine right yeah you know you go to the doctor with a slight cold he gives you one medication you go there with pneumonia he gives you a completely different medication you know, so right now we've got a strong disease, so therefore we need strong medication. You know, the Native Americans used to call it big medicine. You know, they often <laughs> call the, the medicine man. Oh, he's got big medicine. It means he's oh. got power to heal. You know, he's got big medicine. So anyway, we need, we need that. And we need something that's, that's attractive. Because our, our interest is very nil, you know, spiritual interest is, is very low and getting lower right, all the time. Right, right. We need something that's, that's attractive. You know, all these heavy austerities and penances and so on is not attractive. We need something that's joyful and attractive and, you know, makes a person, you know, whether they, they're looking for spiritual, you know, growth or not or spiritual upliftment are attracted to it anyway. Because it's just fun, you know. So it's got to be, you know, on that level as well, et cetera, so like, et cetera. Let's say, and then like gradually you would get purified like when you're in it, but you were trying, like people are attracted to, I mean, we have people here in Tromsø, <laughs> just like we know that they normally don't come to our meditation classes except when we have free food. <laughs> oh, that's... That's, you know, any reason is good. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, therefore, the Supreme Lord, you know, arranged, you know, for the process to be this Hardinama Sankirtan, this, this congregational hearing, chanting of the holy names. I mean, people like to always get together, they like to party, they like to have a fun time, you yeah. know. And so... That's that's what Harinama Sankirtan is, you know, singing, dancing, you know, as you say, feasting, you know, mm. chanting, dancing, and eating prasadam, food that's been offered to the Lord. You know, that's <laughs> the process for the Kali Yuga. And so people who aren't even interested become purified, you know. I remember <clears throat> there was a couple way back at this time period I was speaking of before, you know, in the early 70s. And they were from California. We were in Hawaii. And, but they, they, you know, came over and were living in an old mail truck, you know, kind of a, you know, free lifestyle. Had a couple kids. And they just started coming to the programs, you know. And 
<clears throat> they had been in contact with this in California before they came to Hawaii, the, the process, the chanting and so on. Mm. And the story was that the wife, she used to go to these, you know, feasts on Sunday where the chanting and, and free food was, you know, and, and, you know, she really liked it. And, but the husband, he wasn't interested at all, you know. So she started bringing him home a big plate of this beautiful, you know, feast that was taking place every Sunday. And he'd eat that and he'd go, every time from then on when she'd leave, he said, don't forget to bring me home some food. <clears throat> and of course she did. And it was food that had been offered to the Lord. It was spiritually purified and spiritually potent. And every week he was eating this prasadam. Prasadam means mercy. Actually means the Lord's mercy. That's how this food is referred to as prasadam. And so, you know, gradually, you know, as time went on, he said, you know, I think I'll go with you. You know, I want to see what goes on up there. So he started going. And then he was a musician already. Uh -huh. Oh, it just, just was right down his alley, you know. Very, very accomplished guitar player. So he started playing guitar, you know, at the gatherings when he went. And he'd take his guitar uh -huh. and he'd play and... You know, he just got totally into it. So when he came to Kauai, you know, he was, they were already, you know, on the road and they found out we were there. They didn't even know. They just found out that we were there and came around and jumped right in, you know, and, and he, he was, he was, you know, but that was his story. He wasn't interested in the philosophy. He wasn't even interested in going, but he liked food. You see? Wow. So that's how the whole process is geared for people in Kali Yuga. You know, so they don't even have to be interested to be purified. And of course, with the purification does come the interest, you know, and the enthusiasm and, and the joy. Like we were just speaking before, you know, give it a try. You know, you say it doesn't work or there's no, nothing to it or, you know, it's not for me. How do you know? You didn't try. Give it a try and, and see what you come up with. Hmm? Yeah. And uh, wow. so it's, it's, it's actually stated in Scripture that in one way, the Kali Yuga is the greatest of the Yugas because the process greatest. of spiritual realization is the easiest. Oh. And it's said that there's great sages and saints that are waiting to take birth in the Kali Yuga to take advantage of this Wonderful process of hearing <laughs> and chanting the holy names. Harinamo, thank you. So, uh, yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> that's what we got going on, you know. And I, there, there's, there was a quote that I saw in the, in the Bhagavatam, in the start of Bhagavatam, where we were close to where we were reading last week. And it said, well, I can't access it now for some reason on my computer, but it says something to the extent that even the, even the unconscious, well, actually, I, I might actually have it right now. Let's see if I find it. Maybe. So even the unconscious chanting of these mantras are extremely like spiritually potent, and they're feared by fear personified. <laughs> it said, yeah, it's stated, maybe in that same place, that even if you can't make fun of those who do chant, you know, oh, these guys are always going, go Ranga, go Ranga, honey bo, honey bo, you know, just kind of making fun. 
you're still getting purified. You know, in fact, Lord Goranga, he would actually often actually trick kids. You know, kids always like to taunt people, you know, just hassle them, and that they get great pleasure for that. So when he would walk down the street, you know, he was known in Navadweep where he was, he appeared and grew up as a person who was chanting all the time. And so those kids would go along and say, Haribo, Haribo, Goranga, Goranga, you know. And he'd say, no, no, he'd put his fingers in. No, no, don't say that, don't say that. And kind of run, you know, like he was trying to run away. And they just do it more, you know. They just, <laughs> it just it spur him to do it more, to hassle him more, you know. And inside he's, he's just laughing, you know. It's just a little trick to get him to chant. And, uh, but they were getting purified. You know, and of course, in, in the, the Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is one of the scriptures about the, the life and teachings of Lord Goranga, Lord Chaitanya, you know, it describes that, you know, at that time in, in you know, Bengal, there was uh, Muslim rule, the Muslims ruled at that time. And of course, a lot of Muslims, but there were also you know, the, quote, Hindus, you know, those followers of the Vedas. And they uh, existed together, you know, in a harmonious way to, in most part. But uh, the, the Muslims would never chant, you see. They, that was, of course, not taught in the Quran as far as they understood, and, and they didn't. And, and they thought that, you know, those who were chanting and doing all this were actually sentimentalists and fanatics, and that's just the Hindu way or whatever. And so oftentimes they would mock, you know, the people who chanted, or they would go and, and, and you know, tell their leader, you know, they're chanting, you know, Krishna, Krishna, Hare, Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, you know. And he would say, well, I understand why the Hindus do it, but why are you doing it? Why are you? And they say, well, we don't know, but somehow... It's just taken over our tongues, and we we just can't <laughs> we just can't not do it, you know. And then um, the the Chan Kazi, who was the the leading ruler at, at that time, that in that district, you know, actually he, you know, became a great devotee, you know, and became a great follower of Lord Goranga, you know, due to the purification of chanting these names, you know, Krishna, Rama, Narayan. Etc. So, you know, it's it's very special mercy in the Kali Yuga. It's it's, just, it's actually described like that. And, you know, all of this is, is the Lord's mercy on the fallen souls, the Kali Yuga. And Lord Goranga came to save the most fallen, and that's us. <laughs> you know, that's who we are. If we if we dare to see that, like if we if we are honest enough to, you know what I mean. <laughs> But even if we don't see it, it's still the truth. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. But I mean, we have to accept that. We have to somehow take a step toward, I guess, this process. Like we have to do something. We have to. Yeah. But if somehow, by good fortune, we come in contact with this transcendental sound and the purification gradually takes place, we start to see it more and more. Right. You know, 
have fallen mm-hmm. and how degraded we are and, mm-hmm. and how we've allowed ourselves to just go to these lower levels and try to find pleasure there. Chewing the chudes. Yeah. You know, another funny story is in Kazakhstan, it's been, I spent a lot of time there, and the method of transportation is, it's changed a little bit now, but was always, you just step out on the street and raise your hand, or just prick your finger out, and every car is a taxi. They didn't have really, you know, they had a taxi service, but most people just called a car, they call it, just catch a car. And everybody, sometimes, you know, two or three cars will be lined up. So if you don't take the first car, the second guy gets a chance. If you don't get in his car, and the third guy. And you tell the person where you're going and arrange on a price. And if everything is go, then you, you just go. And if not, the next guy and so on. So anyway, uh, one of our guys was going to one of our public lectures and he, he caught a car to go. And on the way... We have a CD that, that I and some friends in Russia made. I call it Relaxed Meditation. It's just a chant. You know it. You've, you've heard it. It's a, a, a nice relaxing CD of, of chanting. And so anyway, as, as they're going in the car, this is playing on this, taxi, this guy's radio, uh, player in his car. And my friend says, wow, where'd you, where'd you get that, that CD from? You know, and he said, oh, well, you know, I gave this guy a ride one day and he gave me this CD and said, here, play this while we we go along. And so oh. I put it in my player and, you know, we got to where we were going and I tried to get it out and I couldn't. It was stuck in there and I couldn't get it out. <laughs> and so I just left it in there. And he said, and one thing very special I noticed when I'm not playing that CD, I don't get many customers. When I start playing that CD, more and more people come to my car. So I play it all the time now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, you know. So gradually, you know, it it gets around one way or another. I've 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 seen that CD like even at student gyms uh, in Trondheim where I used to do you know teach yoga. Like I I'd never been there before, and suddenly like the CD was lying there in the CD player, and like I I was like, where did this come from? It's just someone had spread it. <laughs> yeah, wow. That that's you know an understandable uh, <clears throat> event because you know it, it's designed by the supreme lord. So another point to be understood is we shouldn't try to you know do a spiritual practice is not suitable for this age. You know, yeah. so some yeah. people are trying to do silent meditation and stanga and you know the austere prayers and so on. You know, but really, it's not for this age. And, you know, of course, there's big gurus who are teaching it and et cetera, et cetera. But it's just not suitable. So if we're going to do something, why not do that which is suitable? You know, and most people want to be, you know, trendy or or this is cool or, or present an image of, you know, a yogi or 
tip somebody because they look like a big yogi and have a lot of followers or whatever the case yeah. may be. Yeah. But if you really want to be successful, go to the Supreme Lord and see what he has arranged. This is the bottom line. The Vedas tell us, what was that mantra we chanted at the end last week? Of course, we know, don't we? Harinama, 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 Eva Kevalam, Hello, Nasteva, 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 Gatiranyata. Translated, in this age of Kali Yuga, there's no other way, there's no other way, there's no other way than the holy names, the holy names, the holy names. Harinama, Harinama, Harinama. Eva Kevalam, Kalo, Nasteva, Nasteva, Nasteva. No other way, no other way, no other way. Three for, times repeated. For spiritual realization in the Kali Yuga. So, if you want to be successful, what are you going to do? You do what is told to do. And it, according to these absolute truths, there's no other way. You can get maybe some, you know, mode of goodness benefit or, you know, a little bit of mental control or self-control or whatever from whatever other process you may do. But as far as purifying the heart of all the unwanted desires, the material contamination and karma from lifetimes and lifetimes, you know, and in its place appears love for God, Krishna Prema, there's no other way. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, is it, is it, uh, could it be beneficial to practice silent meditation or these types of, I mean, I've seen people that are supposedly trying to follow Ashtanga yoga practice, like white clothes and this turban. And I mean, of course we respect everyone, but, but is that a, is that a, well, if that's what they want to do, I mean, they certainly have the freedom to do it, you know, and they have many different motivations for that. But will they be truly successful? And the answer is according to Scripture and according to Lord Garanga, no, not really. No. But it, make it may make it so, depending on what they do in their next lifetime, They'll take a suitable position, you know, in a suitable situation, association, and so on. So, you know, they do take to the hearing and chanting of the names of the Lord for the Kali Yuga, because it'll still be Kali Yuga in their next birth, you know. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, another interesting point is that it's stated again in Scripture. We just speak from Scripture. We're not... You know, making things up. It's stated in the in the Vedic scriptures that you know this movement of Lord Chaitanya. It's called this this movement of the hearing and chanting of God's names as the process for spiritual realization. Will will continue for ten thousand years. That means for ten thousand years, that process will be available to people to take advantage of. Wow. But then after 10,000 years, Kali Yuga will progress, you know, so far. I was going to say, for it's like so 300,000 years more. Or, 400, no, 427,000 more years. Wow. 427,000 more years of Kali Yuga. So it will progress to a point where, you know, that, that opportunity we have now is not going to be, 
you know, there. So, you know, well, we got 10,000 oh. years. Well, and, and then, well, like, how much easier can it get? Like, <laughs> what? Oh, it's unimaginable. I don't know. I mean, you can't even, <laughs> you can't even envision it. <laughs> but going into the Srimad Bhagavatam, you know, going toward the end of Kali Yuga, you know, all the things that live on filth and pestilence, like the cockroaches will be as big as dogs, and the oh. rats will be as big as bears, you know. <laughs> and the human form of life will be reduced to about, you know, three feet high, and the, the human brain will be reduced to the size of a pea, and, and you know, people will eat their young, and oh, it just goes on and on. I mean, it's horrible, horrible stuff at the end of Kali Yuga, you know. But uh, well, we don't have to, you know, we're not here to, to wait for that. You know, you can't run away from these truths. We're here to, to solve the problem now. We got the human form of life. We got the process. We got the mercy of Lord Chaitanya and, and his spiritual representatives you know, mm. on us right now, you know. So there's nothing, nothing to fear. There's nothing that we don't have. We got everything, you know, right now to be absolutely successful in life, you know, and become truly happy and truly satisfied and return to the spiritual world. Not hundred lifetimes later, right now. So all we have to do is do it. That's all. And <laughs> if, if we do, we're lucky, and if we don't, we missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was just, just reading Bhagavatam at the, at the start of Kali Yuga um, about these um, four pillars of religion that are declining. I just thought it was a nice... Uh, I don't know. If, to me, I, I, very inspiring, I think. And I hope it, maybe it's inspiring for people like these four pillars. They make up a good society or a happy society, basically, and, and happy people, which, which are truthfulness, austerity, mercy, and cleanliness, which is, again, degraded in Kali Yuga now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually... Those four pillars or four legs of religion are mm. fully present in Satya Yuga. They're, mm. they're, they're all four fully present. That's another reason why Satya Yuga is such a high standard, you know, because cleanliness, mercy, truthfulness, and austerity are in full bloom in the Satya Yuga. In the Treta Yuga, one of those disappears, you know, and that's cleanliness. It, it, it goes away, you know, and that means virtue, you know, cleanliness in body, mind, you know, associating properly with the opposite sex and so on. And, and that's where a little vice enters into society. Mm. You know, one of those goes away. And then Drapara Yuga, we lose another one. See? So now instead of Four pillars, we got three, then we got two, you know, and then the Kali Yuga, we have one left. And that's truthfulness, and that is 
almost gone. I mean, that's, you know, shaking like a, a bamboo twig in a hurricane. You know, in other words, it's, it's, it's almost not there at all, you know. And so, you know, if, if the four pillars of, of religion have been destroyed, then society falls down. And what replaces, there's also four pillars of sin. We talked about mm -hmm. that before. And the four pillars of sin are eating of meat, fish and eggs, intoxication, illicit right. sex, sex, and gambling. And that's what society is standing on right now, the four pillars of sin. <laughs> so <laughs> what can we expect? <laughs> So. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, yeah. uh, it's stated in what we read, you know, yesterday, uh, last week, you know, in this, this quote from Srimad Bhagavatam, if I can see it. Uh, yeah. Uh, in this age, men are not only victims of different political creeds and parties, but also of many different types of sense gratificatory diversions, namely cinemas, sports, gambling clubs, mundane libraries, bad association, smoking, drinking, cheating, pilfering, bickerings, and so on. See? All those. So the truthfulness is gone, the austerity is gone, the cleanliness is gone, you know, but the four pillars of degradation are in full bloom. You know, and so the, the result is what we have right now. Chaos, quarrel, chaos, confusion, you know, lost anger, greed, enviousness, <laughs> jealousy, illusion, madness, and horrible life, horrible life. And... There, there, and, and there's a quote that maybe we could sort of end with. I, I, let's see if this, I don't think we have so much time, but there's a quote from Srimad Bhagavatam, just again, that clarifies the point, I think. This is Srimad Bhagavatam 1, 2, 10. So, life's desires should never be aimed at gratifying the senses. One should desire to live only because human life enables one to inquire about the absolute truth. This should be the goal of all works. And then, you know, but Bhaktivedanta Swami goes on to explain in the purport that uh, the completely bewildered material civilization is wrongly directed towards the fulfillment of desires in sense gratification. In such civilization, in all spheres of life, the ultimate end is sense gratification. In politics, social service, altruism, philanthropy, and ultimately in religion or even in salvation, the very sense, the very idea of sense gratification is ever increasingly predominant. In the political field, the leaders of men fight with one another to fulfill their personal sense gratification. The voters adore the so-called leaders only when they promise sense gratification. As soon as the voters are dissatisfied in their own sense satisfaction, they dethrone the leaders. The leaders almost always disappoint the voters by night, but by not satisfying their senses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. 
And nobody can deny these truths. I mean, they're so obviously correct that, you know, you'd have to really be on an agenda to deny it. <laughs> exactly, because, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just leading to, to lower and lower levels of, of the quality of life. Quality of life is not about how much money you have and how big your house is. It's about how happy you are, you know, how, how calm your mind is, how stable you are, you know, in your internal world. And, you know, if, if that's on a high level, that's a good quality of life. And if it's on a low level, that's, there's no life at all. So that's what we, we are dealing with day by day by day. And that's deeper than sense gratification. That's, that's what they speak about in this, what he speaks about in this. Yeah, and you know, for the for the materialist who's just you know all about material sense gratification, they don't even know where the the highest level of material sense gratification is. See, mm -hmm. the highest level of material sense gratification is sense gratification in the mode of goodness. The sense gratification you get from mode of goodness activities and mode of goodness surroundings, being in nature you know, enjoying, you know, the wonder of nature and the sunrises and the sunsets and that clean air and the clean water and, and the physical, you know, exhilaration of, of moving through nature, you know, and, and all that. And, and I guess when people, I mean, I, I, th I thought, I mean, I guess most people thought when you said that it was going to be sex. <laughs> was, I thought maybe most people thought when you said that there was going to be, you know, sex orgasm like the ultimate well that's what society says <laughs> well that that's the highest momentary flash of sensual pleasure but that's not lasting it's over in a moment and you know how much trouble does that cause you know <laughs> i mean there's so much yeah. you know difficulty and complexity you know surrounding that whole trip for and sure. that's total mode of passion, you know, and that's why it's it's, it's lost. It's the highest uh, degree of lust, and therefore it's the highest producer of anger. You know, out of all this sexual experience and relationships and so on comes the greatest anger as well. Yeah. So, you know, anybody, again, with any kind of intelligence would look at it you know, from a distance and, and see that what I just referred to is much more, you know, satisfying than, you know, just a fling in the, in the night. That's true. You know? And, uh, yeah. So, so anyway, the point is the enjoyers of the world don't even know where the greatest material enjoyment is, you yeah. know, because of the influence of Kali Yuga and, and, uh, the, you know, the, the passion and ignorance that dominates. Confusion. <laughs> yeah. But if you, if you, you know, more and more move to the mode of goodness, you know, you can see, well, wow. Yeah, this is, this is something special here. 
And there, there are people who, who appreciate that. You know, but again, that's not enough. You know, the, the mode of goodness is not enough. We're not saying that's the goal. You know, but now you can start maybe wondering about what's behind this beautiful sunset. Who's the mm. artist here? <laughs> you know, this is God's creation. Look at all this wonderful wildlife who created this, this great diversity of species. And, you know, each one so intellectually adapted to its environment. And, you know, the rhythms of nature and the cycles of, you know, the whole thing. And, you know, it points to an intelligence far beyond anything we know. Yeah. And people are, you know, now China's on a big trip to go to China. I mean, go to, excuse me, go to Mars. <laughs> you know, and supposedly we've sent, you know, this rover, you know, thing up there to have a, take a few pictures. Of. Yeah, but where did Mars come from? You know, I mean, okay, you want to find out what's up there, but think about where did Mars come from? Where did the Earth planet come from? How did all this solar system come into being and all the amazing workings? And, you know, I mean, you got to understand that there's something behind it much bigger than us. It reminds me of the, the, the story about uh, Albert Einstein was uh, had a friend who was a great atheist, you know, and of course, you know, he was under the impression that it all just happened by chance. So Albert mm -hmm. Einstein created this replica of the solar system, you know, and it was in such detail and how, you know, the planets were all revolving and, and movement and so on. And so his friend came over to see him and he he saw this replica, and he goes, wow, that's an amazing replica of the solar system. Who did this? You know, and Albert Einstein said, oh, it just happened. And he said, come on, man, come on, it's impossible. That could not just happen. Somebody did this. Who did it? He said, yes, of course it couldn't just happen. Somebody had to do it, you know. And yet you're the one who says that the whole real solar system of which this is a replica just happened by chance. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, it just defeated this guy's argument. <clears throat> so yeah, in the mode of goodness you start you start seeing on a on a different uh, scale, you know, and gradually you start inquiring into the absolute truth, which is what you just read. That's what human form of life is for. And Again, in the Vedas, it says that that's when human life begins. Human life begins when one begins to inquire into the absolute truth. And until then, it's not human life. It's just glorified animal life. So, we want to be human. <laughs> you know, human life is wonderful if it's used properly. And it's the most destructive if used improperly. Our choice, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess now we just, yeah, should end with the main point, I guess. Well, I, I don't guess, I know. <laughs> Harinama, Harinama. Yeah, that's what we're speaking about all the time. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, let's do it, let's chat. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, 
there we had a separate podcast explaining this process a bit more so if anyone is interested they can always watch listen to that podcast but it's very simple <laughs> hold on let me see if it's Close enough. Yeah. Okay, so we'll chant as always Goranga Hari Bo just to make it simple. Yeah. Just briefly, I chant and everybody listens. Then my friends here will respond and I listen. You chant with my friends. Oh! 
Again, Sankirtan. Haranama, Sankirtan. <laughs> oh, like we mentioned, it's got to be fun, you know, for some people to do it. It's got to be fun. It's got to be something you like to do. This is fun. <laughs> fun doesn't mean bad. Fun doesn't have to mean bad. <laughs> or the, the, most, the most fun yeah. thing is spiritual fun. Really, I mean, it's it's not about sensual pleasure. It's about real fun and pleasing the Supreme Lord and actually experiencing that other realm of happiness that we don't know about in this. Yeah, anyway, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, Valkia. Yeah. Thank you, Ruben, yeah. and thanks for all those... <laughs> Wonderful quotes and everything. Mm. For anyone who doesn't know, Ruben and, and his wife, Lynn, and uh, Frank and his wife, Yana, they have a, I won't call it a band, but they sing together wonderfully and very beautifully. Very nice. <laughs> the editions of the mantras. So one day we'll <laughs> let them do a little performance. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, we can we can do something. Yeah, well in in the podcast the last 15 minutes or something a little family kirtan we'll call it. <laughs> Showing that in a family you can actually base your whole family around this process. Yeah. And it's wonderful. It's really amazing. Me and Frank are so different, and I would never be even close to be remotely his friend. You know, I would never get along with him if we didn't have this process, if we didn't have the same goal of self-development, of, of self-realization, and of coming closer to the Supreme Lord. So now we live together, you know, him, his his wife, Janne, and my my wife, Lynn, is the twin sister of Janne, just anyone who listens understands that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we look forward anyway. to that. Maybe next time. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. We'll prepare. We'll the last prepare. fifteen minutes of the of the program. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All yeah. right, Ruben. See ya. We'll be in and touch. For sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Namaste, Haribo. Namaste. Thank you very much, Haribo. <laughs> Thank you, Slava, and everyone out there. And thank you, Chintamani. Chintamani for the singing back. Yeah, it's great.
and Slava um, for always being there to help. Adjust yeah. your camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such an amateur. <laughs> oh, darn. Yeah. I think we I should read. I think we should read yeah. that alcohol one though. That exactly. I was gonna. I was gonna because I was gonna say something that maybe we can do that next time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because so many people have the impression that drinking's okay, especially in moderation, or it's even good for you. And yeah, and then there's those people who say, you know, a glass of wine a day is good, you know, or, yeah. or you know, certain yeah. amount of alcohol each day. Yeah. And this study of 25,000 people proves them wrong. Yeah. And the Vedas all along have said, don't do it. So again, we can refer back to the Vedic, you know, truth is always true. And gradually the scientists uncover <laughs> little bits of They're it really... that proves that this was true all along. And they just bumped into it. Such a big amazement. Like, you know, wow, oh, we didn't know that. Well, <laughs> I mean, this is what, <laughs> it's, already been there. it's always been there. Like, yeah. If you follow yeah. the, the Vedic teaching, you're going to be doing the right things always. <laughs> wow. That's a good motivation to end with. <laughs> Do the right thing. Follow the Vedas. Chant. Be happy. What one, one more? <laughs> that seems simple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Carry freeze-dried fruit in a bag. <laughs> or you just add hot water. <laughs> no, 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 no. We gotta cut that part out. <laughs> No, if you like to, if you like the complexity, then go for it. <laughs> Pretty soon you'll be carrying a pizza oven out there. <laughs> well, Frank bought this. Uh, yeah, I know, but the, yeah, you know, he bought this big tent where you actually have an oven in it, and we didn't use it this winter. But it was it's really heavy. But if you have a pulk, you could technically drag that with you, and you could you know set up this huge tent with. The fireplace in the center and could probably make pizza in that or on it or wow better you do that in your backyard <laughs> yeah you probably. guys don't have to go far to get out there <laughs> that's true you know we're yeah. out here now <laughs> take, take all your yeah. paraphernalia that you want to do that and just go <laughs> you know a few hundred meters out into the bush there and just like you're far out away from it. If anyone, if anyone sees a promo video, that's straight from our house. Like that's right outside the house. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh All yeah. Right. Anyway. Yep. Cool. See you next week. All right. <clears throat> Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Gotta get set up for the next one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Busy schedule. <laughs> Hare Bo. This is good. <laughs> that's good. Hare Bo. Hare Krishna. <laughs> So that's the end of today's episode, but there are plenty more to listen to from before if you haven't listened to them all and upcoming episodes. So we have a lot of interesting content for you. And please share this with your friends and family that you might think would be interesting. You know, you never know. They might find it useful as well. So uh, if you'd like to uh, give us a mini donation, perhaps monthly, to help us run this podcast and spread it to more people, you can uh, do that via Patreon. If you'd like to know which upcoming episode is, is uh, 
upcoming, <laughs> then you can join our email list. So uh, all of that is available on breakingtrail.life. That is our website. Yeah, so uh, I'm happy to have you here again and looking forward to, to see you soon again. If you do have any questions, thoughts, concerns, then please write us. Thank you. Remember, stay true to yourself and dare to break.